everyone. Welcome to my show, Career Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight Asian leaders and interesting allies that I meet in my life. Today, I have with you a very special guest. Today, I have with us a very special guest, Kelly Hoe, who's obsessed with changing the way we understand and approach networking. Networking is a very key concept in countries like the US and worldwide nowadays. And I felt Kelly would be an awesome guest who can teach us some of the key strategies towards networking success. Now, Kelly is also the author of Build Your Dream Network, and I have more interesting things to share about Kelly. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's just so wonderful to see you again. Thank you. So Kelly and I met as fellow speakers at the Women in Tech Summit in Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago, and we've since then stayed in touch. She's an amazing person, and I've always been inspired by the way she loves to inspire people with her wisdom on networking. So thank you, Kelly. I've really benefited from your thoughts. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm going to probably ask you which parts of my advice you're putting into practice. So, <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to delve deeper into it in our podcast. Now, Kelly has other things under her belt as well. So as I told to our listeners, she's the author of Build Your Dream Network forging powerful connections in a hyper-connected world. And she gives practical advice on how do you do it in a seamless way. Kelly spreads her networking gospel in her keynote speech, in her keynote speeches and on the Build Your Dream Network podcast. It's a podcast that you definitely have to check out. It's, it's wonderful and I've always felt she gives very candid information about how do you push yourself towards success. So thank you, Kelly, again for being on the show. Oh, it's just, it's great to be here and, and I'm looking forward to sharing my insights with your listeners. Thank you, Kelly. So Kelly, you're joining us from New York and I know you've lived in New York for the last 20 years. Tell us something about New York to our listeners. What's a fascinating aspect that you love? Oh, well, I was laughing uh, this morning because someone wondered why the way laundromats, when you send out your laundry in New York, why everyone doesn't like get their laundry back the way you do in New York, because we get it back in this really, we call it a brick. It's this neatly folded, like you take over, you know, five pounds of laundry in this big jumbled bag and you get back this really solid, neatly folded, very convenient brick of laundry. And so that's, you know, that's one of those New York things. We talk about New York bagels. We can talk about New York nail salons. We can talk about, you know, all that other kind of New York, kind of stuff, but the laundry, uh, really, the way we fold and get laundry done in New York is really something superior. That's pretty cool to know. So <laughs> thanks for sharing that tidbit about New York. So Kelly, I know you're, you are an awesome keynote speaker who talks about networking, but I wanted to get a little bit into your personal side. Tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, it is, we jokingly say it's sort of for, um, you know, newlyweds and retirees. It's, it's a very bucolic, beautiful place to grow up, but the vision that you would have for yourself and your career was very limited, very, very, I want to say very tunnel vision based on, um, you know, what the opportunities were or the networks you surrounded yourself in. Um, my family still lives there. I'm glad that they're there. They're lovely. They're safe. Everything's good in Victoria, but uh, it was when I went off to law school and interacted with more diverse networks 
that I began to have a bigger vision of what it was that I could do with my life and my career. So you started in law school. How did you end up where you are today as an international networker and a master influencer yourself? Uh, well, it was something I never imagined, but of course there is a networking story to it. We would uh, and, bigger, that. <laughs> and the bigger lesson, because the bigger lesson for your listeners is you need to be involved in networks. You need to not just show up, you need to engage and participate. No one's going to tap you on the shoulder and pick you just for buying a membership or, you know, buying a ticket to a event or logging on to a Zoom meeting. Like you're not going to get, you know, the opportunities you're seeking. So um, I was a lawyer. I moved into law firm management. Really, I thought my career was going to move along in that very limited lockstep way. And it wasn't until I got involved with the Global Business Networking Group, then it was called 85 Broads. It's now called Elevate. Uh, and I didn't just join. I was just ridiculously proactive using all the tools on their website from blogging and, and um, you know, having a full and complete profile. I got involved in the local chapter. I did everything. And you can do that with any professional group or organization. All right. You can be a member and sit there, you know, passively, or you can throw yourself into it. And part of the reason I threw myself into 85 Broads was I was in a job where um, I needed to know more about building community. And, and 85 Broads was a really good example for me to study from the inside out. And I got really involved, and it was around six months after becoming a member, the founder of 85 Broads, Janet Hansen, called me and said, I want to know more about you. You're asking interesting questions. Talk to me about community building. Talk to me about what you're thinking. Talk to me how you look at all of this. And at the end of an hour long phone call, she offered me a job that had previously never existed. And I'm sure it didn't exist at the start of the phone call. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I've never asked Janet and I might have to ask her. And that phone call and that conversation really made me see that there was a bigger vision and there was a bigger like place for my skills and my, my talents. Because if I had stayed, and I loved the job I was in, if I'd stayed in that job, I would have continued in, maybe I would have continued in law firm marketing. Maybe I would have expanded into, I don't know, consulting or, accounting firms or some other professional services firms. But until that conversation with Janet, I hadn't imagined that, you know, the way I looked at the world, the way I looked at networking, um, my background skills, I didn't, I didn't even imagine that there was another home for them. So that's why I'm such a proponent of getting involved, letting people know what you know, um, and, and be doing it within diverse networks. So thank you for sharing that interesting uh, opportunity that you had. And it's always, uh, you know, the way things happen is you have to be open 
towards you know different career paths and you know things might just kick start by the way you project yourself and the way you proactively engage with people i think that's very key in today's hyper connected world yeah very fascinating well and it's also it's one of these things in thinking about your listeners when i was hesitating on that opportunity because i didn't know because it was a big leap it was it was a leap from a secure job with a paycheck to entrepreneurship because my role with 85 broads my compensation was equity based it was not a salary so it was a big big change for me and i talked to one of my mentors and that mentor said to me what's the worst that can happen and i thought to myself well i'm uh, you know like i'm sort of i was fumbling for an answer and my mentor looked at me and said you come back to your old job. So your listeners, if they're thinking about, oh my God, if I took a leap, you know what? If you've already built a foundation with, um, I would say, a strong and known skill set that is marketable, maybe in an area you don't continue to wish or want to pursue, but you could, right? So if you built a strong reputation, you have an existing network in an industry, uh, and people like to work with you, like what's the worst that can happen? You can try something and go back to the old thing. So, you know, so one, once that mentor said that to me, what's the worst that can happen? You know, rather than imagining the worst being I'm homeless, um, <laughs> when the worst is I go back to my old job, that's not such a bad scenario. Uh, and that story fuels me every time I kind of have uh, self-doubts or hesitations. That's a very interesting way to look at life, Kelly, and I'm glad mentorship has helped you. Now tell us how important is mentorship for anybody? And for you personally, you know, how do you feel about that concept? Um, it, it's, it's critical. Um, but I also want to say this, I think in this day and age, we need to rethink what mentorship is because so many people are longing for like a lifelong mentor and will have a variety of relationships. Like someone could mentor in a one-off situation, like one conversation or one podcast, you know, one book, one Ted talk. You could get, look at mentorship as getting the, the timely advice that you need to move your career forward. We may be, some of us, I wish more people in life will find mentorship from someone or a group of people throughout our careers. And some of this you need to construct. You know, you need, maybe you need to pull together a group of like-minded, um, you know, women uh, leaders and say, right, we are going to support each other. That's mentorship. Uh, you know, we think about the people that we are training and managing. Well, they're also giving us feedback on how they're receiving our leadership. That's mentoring. So I think you need to look sort of bigger at it. But as women, there are times we need leaders, sort of the higher up the hierarchy leaders, and they're usually men. We need them as mentors, and we need them to be really powerful mentors, not just in giving us advice, but giving other people advice as to how they are treating us. 
uh, as women, as managers, as entrepreneurs. I said this recently in a keynote when they, someone asked how uh, it was, and it was for a mentoring program. And one of the mentors or a number of the mentors are male. And they said, what should the men be doing? And I said, you should be kicking open the doors. You should be calling out the bad behavior of other men. Don't tell us what we need to do all the time. Tell some of those, some, tell some of those peers of yours to straighten up and step up. Uh, I think the message got across because one of the one of the male mentors immediately emailed me on and and thanked me for the advice and said, "Now I know I need to do more." And I'm like, "Amen, go to it, brother." <laughs> That's pretty cool, and I'm so glad people are more open towards a growth mindset where they understand how changing times require men to step up and support women in every in our everyday life in every form or manner. So. Thank you for sending that message across and uh, multiplying it as part of your keynote talks. Now, Kelly, we've moved to an offline world. Uh, or maybe I should say it the other way. It's more like online. We are more disconnected from other people physically, but we're connected through the virtual world. And most of the times we feel networking is you walk into a party, you give away your business cards, you need to have a drink and have some chit chat, which a lot of people dread about. What are three tips that you would give to us, given that we've moved into this COVID pandemic world, but we still have to network to forge ahead? Yeah. So first of all, my first tip is reimagine what networking is. We do pigeonhole it, as you so accurately stated, as being cocktail parties and schmoozing with strangers. Instead of thinking of networking as that, Please think of it as every human interaction. If we think of networking as building relationships and, and maintaining relationships, then everything we do is network building. So from your email to you know, your text, to your WhatsApp, to your profile. So all of a sudden imagine, everything is networking and therefore you have a variety of opportunities on any single day to network effectively. Secondly, I'd say, remember your most important network is the people you already know. We rush off thinking some stranger is going to be our hero and rush in and deliver up the opportunity that we want. Whereas if you talk about your hopes, your dreams, your ambitions, your frustrations, your needs with those around you, you might actually get the answer and solution and introduction you're seeking because we don't know anymore where our, you know, say where our opportunities are going to come from. It may come from your hairdresser. It may come from an intern. It may come from your best friend, your neighbor, your former coworker, you don't know. So take care and think about your existing network and build from there. The third tip I'd have is, because people often talk about, you know, what is real or what's, you know, in-person networking. Online is in-person networking, just as much as walking around a cocktail party. So use, I wanna say our digital world the same way you would use, I wanna say, our 
physical world. They are the same thing. We are human beings. Be human online, be human offline. There should not be a disconnect. Those are excellent tips. Thank you so much, Kelly. And I really love your first tip is reimagining your network because we always look at finding the best influencer who could help us open doors. But sometimes it's the people that you really know and engage who can actually put you in touch with the right people when the time is appropriate. So that's right. a shift in our thinking that needs to happen. Well, networking is about trust. So whether we were networking 25 years ago or networking today, the foundation of networking is trust and trust is built over time. So some beautifully worded email asking for an introduction from a stranger, you know, I'm sort of like, well, that's nice. I don't know you. Why, why would I use my reputational capital? Why would I use my social capital to make an introduction if I don't know you? On the other hand, if we've worked together and you've been a great colleague and I've seen you over the years develop your career and you reach out and you say, hey, I need some help. Even if I haven't seen you in five, 10 years, and these are exa real examples, I'm, I'm picking up the phone. I'm you know, saying, reaching out and saying, how can I help you? Because it's about trust. So you have to like, you know, people are always so worried, like how do they make the right icebreaker? How do they, you know, what template should they use for that initial introduction, thinking that will fast track them to an outcome? And it's like, hold on, you gotta invest time to build trust. And this is where your existing network can help you. Because the only way to kind of speed up, you don't bypass trust, but the way you sort of speed up that outcome you're seeking is because you've already built trust with someone else. And they can act as that intermediary between you and the person you want to meet. But you've got to be there for your network. Otherwise, you know, what have you got? Right. You know, well, a hope, hope and a dream. And you know what? You need a network to make those hopes and dreams happen. It's a two-way street. And that's something that people need to understand. It's just not connecting with someone, but engaging and nurturing the relationship over a longer period of time as well. Now, tell me this, Kelly. As part of networking, we talk about listening, which is a critical skill that everybody needs to possess. But there's a difference between active listening and listening just for the sake of listening, right? Just to respond. What is a tip that you would suggest to be more of an active listener as part of networking? You know, I th I'm so glad you brought this up because your best networking tool are your eyes and your ears. And the more reflective we can be, the better networker we can be and the stronger connection we can create. So my best advice is to sort of say to people, you know what, you meet someone once, it's not one and done. That's the start or potentially the start of a relationship. So listen and observe and take it in don't you know sit there in your mind having the you know the your brain turning thinking how am i going to make a good impression what am i going to say next listen and observe because this is going to help you think about all right what could i send to them or what could i reach out to them or what do they care about because you want to build a relationship with this person so that's my advice is like you know what 
get out of the mindset of one and done with interactions. Even if it was a job interview and you don't get the, posi the position, that was one time, but it's not forever. No, reaching back out to that person, connecting with them on LinkedIn, because who knows, they might be the HR director at another company. The candidate they hire instead of you could fall through. Like all sorts of possibilities. So listen by understanding this is the start, not the start, middle, and end every time you meet someone. And Kelly is a big proponent of, uh, it's not the ideas that count, but it's the relationships that count. And this is an, uh, you know, a theme that you'd find in her book as well. So that's something that everybody <laughs> needs to keep in their back pocket about how relationships are very critical to our success. Yeah, we can all have good ideas, but unless we attach them to a network, where are they gonna go? No, and, and the example, and I've used this in talks, is uh, Spanx. And when Spanx came out, so many women said, I had that idea. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, but you didn't do anything with it. Ideas need networks. Ideas need to be talked about. Ideas need to be kicked around. Ideas need to be spread. And you only do that if you've built a network. That's very true. Now tell us a little bit more about your book. I know you once mentioned that best-selling author Gretchen Rubin gave you some marketing advice as you were publishing your book. And she remarked that marketing a book is like cooking spaghetti. And you've done a great job with marketing your book and your personal brand. How do you approach this in your everyday life, uh, taking advice from Gretchen and implementing it as part of your career journey? You know, I thought I love that advice from Gretchen. And thank you for bringing that up because um, that was such an interesting conversation. And she was such a big best-selling author at the time. And you would think that she had the recipe, like here's how you market a book. And, and she offered up the book and she offered up the networking, so the marketing advice for my book. And as we call it this, I would say it was a holiday party or a book club, or I remember exactly where we were standing. She said to me, can I offer you some marketing advice? And I remember thinking to myself, this is it. I'm gonna get the answer. And she said, so marketing a book, is like cooking spaghetti. You just got to throw things against the wall. And I think about that as in, in terms of every day is like you got to watch and observe and see what's working. And you got to be willing to try new things. So, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. It's like think about these things every day. And, and so, yeah, you got to watch and see, all right, you know, is, is blogging working? Is this membership working? It, you know, do I need to switch up my Instagram? Like you go, you know, you can't just stick to what, you know, is tried and true. You've got to be open to new ways to, I want to say, promote who you are, market your services, and under, also understand that even if something's worked for somebody else, it may not be the path that works for you. So be open to kind of learning from others and then forging your own direction and path. That's pearls of wisdom from Gretchen and for you as well, who's implemented it very successfully. Too. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, Kelly, have you ever had a low moment in your life? And what do you say to yourself when you have those moments of self-doubt or anxiety or fear? Oh, 
I've had tons of them. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe I'm finally, you know, maybe it's with the gray hair. I'm finally getting out of it. Um, but I'm naturally an optimistic person. And so I do fight our Neanderthal brain that always likes to go to, you know, fight or flight that negative, you know, like kind of, I, 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 actively avoid that instead of saying what's the worst case scenario why not say well why not why can't instead of saying oh if this happens being negative well what happens if you know so i i i, I like to when i when i start to feel that oh man should i continue down this author route or this is hard wouldn't it be easier you know what happens if tomorrow is the day that the New York Times calls and says you made the big bestseller list. Like, I think, I think we need to do that both as entrepreneurs um, and you need to be entrepreneurial about your career. So even if you're someone listening to the podcast and you're employed, you are the entrepreneur, the custodian of your own career. And you know, that, that motivation to say, you know what, I got to give it another day. Uh, that's what keeps you going. And, and that's what gets you, you know, to the end of the rainbow or reveals the unicorn forest or whatever it is that you're seeking. <laughs> That's really fascinating. And I really love the way you put it. You are the custodian of your career and you have to chart your path. And then people who come along in that journey can help you succeed, but the proactiveness needs to come from us. So that's something that each one of us needs to uh, always remember. Now, Kelly, if I may ask this, um, are you really an extrovert? No, I'm not. I'm not an, I'm not an extrovert. Uh, I learned while writing Build Your Dream Network that there's extroverts, there's introverts, and there's one more category. And that category is ambiverts. And I would suggest that probably more of us are ambiverts. And ambiverts get their energy from other people. So, it was just a revelation for me that I'm an ambervert. And then, you know, when I thought about it and sat back, I'm like, well, that's just so obvious. There are times when I've walked into events, conference, board meeting, whatever it is, and my energy has just floated up and exploded, right? So you would think I was an extrovert because the energy from other people has been so good that it has really fueled my soul, my actions. There's other times when I've walked into things and I've been, oh my Lord, hand me my smartphone and let me stick my face in it because I don't want to talk to anyone here. And I think what we need to do, and I think I'd suggest to your listeners, pay attention to your energy when you do things with other people because that may indicate that you know, you're not one or the other, introvert or extrovert, but more you get your energy and your enthusiasm from your human interactions. So where can you, you know, I would say position yourself to get more of the enthusiasm that you need. Also recognizing that as an ambervert, you need to refuel like introverts. And so I think that personality type sort of explains why you know, on one hand, I can enthusiastically get on stage and do a keynote. And on the other hand, be really happy for weeks 
in front of my computer, you know, writing away and not talking to anybody. <laughs> That's very true. And as you're speaking, it makes me feel that I'm an ambivert too, because I, I love getting energy from people because when I go and meet a lot of people, I derive a lot of enthusiasm and, uh, you know, it's more like you be the life of the party. And then once you're back home, you retreat into your quiet shell because you need to refuel yourself and you know, get ready to be that, you know, bubbly, energetic person again. So thank you for uh, re-emphasizing that there's a middle ground to being between being an extrovert and an introvert as well. Mm -hmm. There is. So tell us this, Kelly, you give a lot of keynote talks and you are a busy entrepreneur yourself. How does downtime look for Kelly outside of sitting in front of a computer? Oh, downtime for me. Um, well, I mean, first of all, I love what I do. So I feel very, very fortunate that uh, I am someone who finds meaning uh, and great meaning in the work that I do. And then I can fully embrace, you know, like, like not unapologetically, you know, when, uh, my first career was as a lawyer and everyone's sort of like, oh, lawyers. And then you stop being a lawyer and everyone's like, oh, congratulations, you're no longer a lawyer. So there's always sort of that negativity if you said as a lawyer that you love what you do, but what I do now, and I love being a lawyer, but I really get a lot of meaning from work. So I'm not one of these people who's like, oh my God, I'm so glad it's Friday, let's switch this off. I do switch off. And what I try and do now is get away, do downtime and activities that keep me completely away from computer screens and technology. Um, so reading and cooking, I've done a lot of that these past few months and that has been a joy and a pleasure to kind of slow down and when I say reading I mean like physical books again I mean I've got a bunch on the Kindle app that I should be reading but again it's like I want to get away from the screen. That's a nice self-care tip for all of us uh, yeah that's that's something that we have to do amidst you know the, the pandemic crises that we have before the new normal kicks in right? Yep. So Tell us what advice would you have for budding entrepreneurs, given you've successfully aced and you continue to ace the entrepreneurial path with career transitions. What advice would you have for millennial entrepreneurs? Prepare for entrepreneurship. I, think, I don't think people do that enough. I don't think you understand the amount of stress, the safety net that you need, both with a network as well as financially. Um, and, and that sort of like take, to have more conversations with people in terms of like how they structured and prepared themselves for it because it can be a lonely, um, uncertain and frustrating journey at times and you need, need to plan for that. Absolutely, that's, um, that's something that, uh, it's not for the faint-hearted right entrepreneurial journey that's what we hear so what's next for kelly well and, and you know my last answer sounded like a little little negative but you know, we, we glamorize it and i think you need to dig deeper and say to people you know who are entrepreneurs whether a small business owner you know a startup founder a consultant a freelancer sit them down and say really talk to me how you made this happen because we love, you know, particularly in the U.S., we love that hero's journey. We love the overnight success. And, you know, someone said something to me about, you know, being an overnight success. I'm like, 
I'm 54 years old. It's been a long night if this is now overnight success. So, you know, really, if you're going to thinking about entrepreneurship, really have a hard conversation with someone, not, not just reading the glamour headlines and, um, you know, the media publications. What's next for me? I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Um, and I am, you know, the weekly podcast, uh, I have an online community in the works so that I can teach some courses and deliver content exclusively around the book because it still holds relevance. Uh, I'm working on some new guides and tons of materials in terms of worksheets and workbooks so that people can really, I want to say, not only exercise their networking muscle, they can discover a new muscle to connect with others that, um, you know, kind of ditches the old networking playbook, which we really need to do. Absolutely. And to our listeners out there, Kelly has been lauded uh, from Forbes as one of the five women changing the world of entrepreneurship. And uh, Fast Company um, has her as one of the 25 smartest women on Twitter. In Business Insider, she's one of the 100 most influential tech women on Twitter. And Inc. has her as one of the 10 most well-connected people in New York startup scene. So, you know, wonderful pieces of advice from you, Kelly. Uh, thank you so much for being on our show. Uh, do you have any parting thoughts to our listeners? Look after your network every single day. Consistently show up because that is what's going to pay off in the long run for your career, your ambitions, and your ventures. Thank you. Before we let you go, we have a fun rapid fire round for you. Are you ready for it? <laughs> I can't wait. So you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following. Favorite book? Um, Personal History by Katherine Graham. Role model? Mm, role model, role model. You know what? All the interns I've ever had. Friday night in New York. Uh, reading a book or calling my godchildren in Perth, Australia. Final question. What's your native language and one word to describe yourself in it? Uh, my native language is English and one word to describe embarrassed because I'm Canadian and we have two official languages and I can't speak the second one. <laughs> Thanks for being so candid. So that was <laughs> Kelly Hoy. Um, Kelly, it's been a pleasure having you on Curry Up Startup Podcast. And as I mentioned, to the Asian community and to our listeners who are global leaders worldwide, uh, you know, the key takeaways that I've learned from our conversation is relationships count. Uh, it's not just the idea, but you need to have the relationship and the network that will help you implement it. And two is the key fact about mentorship, because you always need somebody who could help us understand, you know, in your case, you mentioned what's the worst thing that could happen. And that will help us reframe our mindset uh, into trying out new experiences. And three, and the most important of all is there's a humane side to all of us, right? As you mentioned, you are an ambivert. And, you know, self-care is very important, be it reading, cooking, spending time outside of your computer and your entrepreneurship journey. Um, you know, those are key three takeaways that I really love and I'm inspired by, you know, how you've taken things as an eternal optimist. Yeah. Well, we got to listen. In these times, we've got to stay optimistic. The alternative is, well, it's more depressing than I want to think about. That's very true. So on a very optimistic note, we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, thank you, Kelly, again, and this has been wonderful. I would encourage all our listeners to check out 
Build Your Dream Network, the book, as well as the podcast and the valuable content that uh, Kelly shares on her social media platforms. It's something that's very uh, worthy and I would love each one of us to go check it out on a daily basis. Until another episode with another interesting guest, this is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off from Career Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight Asian leaders and interesting allies that I meet in my life. Thank you.